Well, this morning, uh, our message time, I got a few minutes. Um, first of all, happy Father's Day uh, to, uh, to you who are here, who are fathers. Um, and I felt that it was only appropriate that, um, <clears throat> that I start off with some good dad jokes this morning. All right? So here's my first one. What is sticky? What is brown and sticky? Yes! Oh, and you're not even a dad, Christy. That's wonderful. <laughs> so, so as you know, two guys walked into, um, they walked into a coffee shop, and the third guy ducked. Oh, terrible. Um, why are elevator jokes so classic and good? They, they work on so many levels. <laughs> That's good. All right, here's my last one. And that is, why do couples go to the gym? <laughs> because, they, because, they want to, uh, because they want their relationship to work out. Uh, <laughs> all right. I can tell you that if I was going to preach a Father's Day message, that uh, it probably wouldn't get any, any better than that. So I'm not going to go there today. As a matter of fact, this, this week, as I have uh, looked at what I was going to preach, I had something that I was going to do that was going to invite all of us to participate in, but that's got pushed off until the fall. So I had this blank in there of, of, of what to preach. And you think, then I get to do anything I want. But it was really a wrestling of what I would say or do. And in that, um, I felt that the Lord was leading me to carry on a little bit from where Isaac and I left off last week. And I really appreciated last week. I appreciated the, the youth that were up here and, uh, and really enjoyed the opportunity to, uh, to preach with Isaac. And, and having two Sundays of having Ben and Isaac, I feel a little... I feel a little bare up here, like there needs to be somebody else with me. But uh, this morning as we move forward, um, I, want to, I want to talk about uh, this part of us as we being honest before God of who we are, um, recognizing God's great love for us and how he sees us. But in that, this spiritual transformation that God wants to take place wants to take place in us. He desires that there's a spiritual transformation. And that comes in spiritual formation. And, and, and we talk about that often, about spiritual formation in our life and, and the desire for transformation to happen. And so as we stand in the reality uh, before God with no airbrushes, with the fact that, that we're imperfect and he knows that, and he knows how imperfect we are, and his, his response to us is, I love you. I love you. And in that is the beginning point of being transformed. And it's because it is here that we step into the life of Christ and into his world. And I believe that is a key and important part of a life that is being transformed, is that we step into his life and his world. And we begin to be transformed. And it's, it's in this, this part of being transformed 
of being, of recognizing that we are crucified in Christ. And I've thought about that. I, I want to be transformed. I want to be different. I want to live a different life. I, I want the crucified life. Don't you, as a Christian? You want that crucified life? I hope you do. And I think, what does it take to live in the crucified life? What does it take to live in the crucified life? And many times we, would, we will say as, as a church, we need to read our Bibles. We need to attend church. And you're here today. We need to join a house church. We call them house churches, maybe life group, maybe Bible study. We need to serve in a church in, in some formal way. We need to give money, help the poor. We need to tell others about Jesus. And these things we oftentimes will mark out as the crucified life. But I'm not certain if the crucified life is really is really that. One day, a pastor was asked the question by a young man, um, Pastor, are you living the crucified life? And the pastor's response was, no, I'm not. And that was a kind of a shock to the young man. And like, what do you mean? You're, you're, you're not. And the pastor looked at him and he says, well, are you? And the young man says, well, I'm, I'm trying. And the pastor said, well, I, I don't think that's really answering the question. He says, either you are or you aren't. If you're asking him, I'm living, living the crucified life, either you are or you aren't. And so he said to the young man again, he says, are you living the crucified life? And the young man once again said, I'm trying. And then the pastor said to him, well, here's the deal. The deal is, is I don't think you can live the crucified life. Again, shocked. What do you mean? And the pastor went on to say this. You cannot crucify yourself. Think about it. If you literally try to do that, and you nail one arm to the cross, how are you going to get this one up there? <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it. And so the crucified life is not what you do, but it's what's being done to you. It's Christ. It's Christ. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And I want to look at these couple verses here. I don't have them up on the screen today, so if you are hoping that they were going to be up there, you're sorely disappointed. Um, and grads, you must have a Bible because we gave every one of you a Bible. Uh, and if you have your smartphone, and you can, you can pull it out and you can look at it, or you can just listen to me stumble through as I read. So here we go. Uh, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. 
Here, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Here, this transforming life, if we're going to put it in theological terms, and we've talked about this before, it's, it's that part in there that, that it's the sanctification that happens in our life. There's, there's a work that's working. There's something working in our lives. It's a sanctifying working in our lives. And it is this part of us being crucified in Christ. I am not doing the crucifying. Christ is doing that, or we have had that happen through Christ. Something has died. Something has died is what we see here. And when I look at it, more importantly, there is a change that has taken place. And the change is my position. And that's where I, I want us to see is our position. Here's maybe his illustration is many of you who are married here, I'm taking you probably, most everybody uh, in our culture gets married on a Saturday. How many got married on a Saturday here? All right. Not very many people. Great. It's a good illustration. <laughs> or I've already lost you way far down there. Okay. So most of us got married on a Saturday, and you went on your honeymoon on a, uh, went on your honeymoon. You woke up on, on Sunday, and as you woke up, not very much had changed. I mean, at that point in time, you hadn't gained 40 pounds. Uh, you really hadn't had a good argument. Um, he hadn't made any bodily sounds. And so really nothing had changed, except really everything had changed. Everything had changed in that your position had changed. You're no longer single. You're now married. Your life is no longer yours. It's joined with another. And you are now in their life. Positionally, everything has changed. Or uh, Trevor, this week on Friday, his uh, boss calls him in and he says to him, I am making you the executive manager over everything. Isn't that great, Trevor? <laughs> and, uh, and so today he sits here and he is, he is the executive manager, but, but not really much has changed. I mean, when he got the news, his IQ didn't rise 50, 50 points just because he got the news. He's still Trevor. But what has changed when he walks in tomorrow is that he is now executive manager of the dealership. His position has changed. His position has changed. And... and in this, this is where we need to see that I have been crucified in Christ. It is no longer I who live. My position has changed with Christ. I no longer am there. So the word I is interesting. The word I is talking about ego. I, ego, am no longer alive. I, ego, have been crucified. And when I said yes to Jesus, I entered into his life and his world. For years in the evangelical church, we have told people this. We told people, you need to invite Jesus into your life. And it sounds good. 
But I'm wondering if we've done something wrong in that. Because I no longer live. I have been crucified. That's what Paul is, Paul is wanting us to understand. And I am a mess. I like how Russell Moore put it. He says, for too long, we've called unbelievers to invite Jesus into, their li into their, your life. So invite Jesus into your life. Jesus doesn't want to be in our life. Jesus calls you into his life. And there's a subtle difference in there because if I'm asking him to be in my life, and I know you can, maybe I'm splitting hairs here and some of you are going to say, you know, you can come and talk to me later. But I'm wondering about this part of going, Jesus, come into my life. If we instead say, I want to enter into your life. I want to enter into your world. That I don't want to rule my life and my world. I want you to rule it. I want it to be ruled in your domain, in your kingdom. This is your kingdom. This is your world. And in that, I'm surrendering myself to him. So now that my life is whatever he wants to do with it. I'm not saying, hey, I'm going to do this, and come on, Jesus, come with me, because this is what I'm doing. Instead, I'm saying, Jesus, what are you doing? And I want to do what you are doing. I think there's a difference. And I think as subtle as it is, I think it's a big difference of how we live our lives. And in our culture today, with so much telling us and so much bringing to us what we need and how we need to live. If, if you listen to one of my dailies this week, coming week, I talk about advertisement and how in the 1970s we had something like 500 to 1,600 advertisements we would see daily. And today it's something like 10,000 advertisements you see daily. And advertisements do this. They tell you this. They tell you how you're not satisfied. How your life needs something more. How you need something better. Everything we need is in Christ. And it's hard if I'm inviting him into my life instead of surrendering my life, crucified life in him and in his world. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't get a new car or I wouldn't buy clothes or I wouldn't, if I had hair, have the latest hairstyle. And in some ways, even though I don't have hair, you know, kind of going baldish looking is okay. I got to tell you the story. No, I won't. <clears throat> See, sometimes you learn that uh, as you preach up here, when, there, when something comes to your mind and you want to share it, that you probably shouldn't. Because somewhere in there, you're going to mean to apologize to somebody for sharing something. I just leave it. Let's move on into this verse a little bit more. And in here, partway through verse 20, it says, um, and the life... I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. 
Dallas Willard says that if you take the word in the Son of God and you put of the Son of God, just that little change in there, again, causes you to look at it a little bit different and see it a little bit different. What if we look at it as of the Son of God? What does that mean? Again, it means that it's of him. It's out of him that I'm going to live by faith, out of the Son of God or of the Son of God. It's in the dwelling of him, in his presence, in his world, in his life. I'm going to live now, not out of my life. My life is a wreck. My life is a mess. My life doesn't yield the fruit that his life yields. Turn to John chapter 15. It's one of, one of my favorite portions of John. And it's a great illustration because in John 15, he's here talking about our lives and how we are connected to the vine. I am the branch. You are the branch. And, and he, Jesus says, I am the vine. And he talks about being connected, about how the, the vine is our source, our source. And so here we read these words, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, excuse me, he is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Our source to grasp this, our source is Christ. And so Jesus brilliantly says, apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Or I want to put it this way, apart from me, apart from Christ's supply, you and I cannot be spiritually transformed. Apart from the supply that he gives us, apart from who he is, you and I cannot be spiritually transformed. So where I want us to go is to say, I want to abide in Christ. My heart is that I am inviting not him into my life, but I'm taking his invitation to be in his life and his world. Therefore, I can be crucified. Therefore, I can do whatever he asks me to do and go wherever he wants me to go, and say whatever he wants me to say, and I will not have any fear. That's what, that's what Isaac was talking about last week. Because we are in him. As I was studying in this, I was searching within some of Dallas Willard's teachings. And Dallas Willard said this about grace. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. So I'm not passively in Christ. I am making an effort by his grace to live in him, to be crucified in him. So when I come to the word of God, 
I am in him saying, what are you going to teach me today? As I come here this morning and I sing a song, Lord, what is it that you're going to speak to me and how can I speak back to you? Because I am in you. As you head down to the Mayo Clinic, as you are preparing all that, isn't it in Christ that you're saying, Lord, in this, what are you teaching? What are you doing? How can we see you? How can we know you? In him. So spiritual formation begins when I take the invitation God has given me, Christ has given me to be in his life and his world. So I am surrendering my life and my world to him. So that's my question to you today as you sit here. Do you see your life? And are you saying, Lord, I surrender my life and I invite, I take your invitation. I'm not inviting you into my life, into my world. I'm taking your invitation to step into your life and your world. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can come before you honestly, truthfully, with all of our imperfections because you are a good father, a good, good father. And in that, you express to us that you love us. Lord, forgive us where we have been trying to live this life, inviting you into our world, into our life. But instead, the invitation has always been that you say to us, come, follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross. And that, Lord, today we would find ourselves denying ego, denying me, and stepping into your life and your world, whatever that looks like, being willing to go, say, and do as you invite us to. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.